Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. is for activism. B is for body issues. C is for class, casting and cultural capital. D is for drama school. E is for equality. I always loved acting, but when it came to deciding about careers, I was so consumed with the idea of being of service to the world, insufferable right on. You'll often be asked to do things in rehearsals that make your vagina or equivalent climb inside itself. But sometimes F is for fame, failure, and filling the well. When I'm at my most twatty, I've been known to list my post-curry CV to the blank face of the poor lady on checkout or whatever, um, for which I was nominated for a BAFTA. M is for mental health. Sometimes you will have to do jobs because they pay the bills. For most of us, our career journeys are a mishmash of all sorts of Q things. is for quiet times and how to cope with them. Bloody Zoom. <laughs> Software that most of us had never heard of a few short years ago has been such a huge part of our lives and most of us never want to have another meeting on it ever. To all artists, good work. To all workers, good art. To all people, equity. Hello and welcome to SNS Online. An Actor's Alphabet by Julie Hesmanhausch has just been published by Nick Hearn Books and is a veritable treasure trove of wisdom, practical advice, informed suggestions and above all, a genuine desire for all aspiring actors to be encouraged, protected and nurtured. Maxine Peake said, like its author, this book is brimming with wisdom, intelligence, empathy and humanity. Jack Thorne wrote, This book is bold, brash, sincere and angry. It regrets nothing and questions everything. And from Anna Jordan, A generous gift to actors, full of honesty, hope and wit. There is loads of tangible advice, not just for acting, but for life. Welcome, one and all, to acting royalty personified, social campaigner glorious and one of the nicest people on the planet, SNS returnee Julie Hesmanhelsch. Okay, Julie, it's lovely to have you on the show again. I've just finished your wonderful book. Uh, it's so good. I mean, as I said to you in a text a while back, it's, it's like an extended nurturing actor's WhatsApp support group blended into a warming mug full of Horlicks with seasonal nutmeg to taste. There you go. <laughs> well, that's very, very lovely. I, I, I'd like to think it's a, bit, it's a bit sharper than that. That makes it sound very cosy, and, oh. it, and it's a... You know, I, I think it's... Um, There's cosy moments, though. Cosy moments. And I can hear your voice as, as, as I'm reading it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. It's like, I, I do try and do that. I did the audio book for it, actually, that's mm. come out this week as well, which okay. was which was fun to do because people say they can hear my voice so clearly when they're reading yeah. it. So it's, it's quite good that it's actually in my voice as yeah. well. I mean, I, it's written both very practically and very much from the heart. And, and I found with an honesty and occasional vulnerability uh, that surprised me. I mean, even though you're so celebrated as an actor, you clearly still have the fear of it all stopping. Well, I think that's across the board with all actors, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that is absolutely true that, you know, when a job finishes, you think, well, that's it. That's mm. it. What if nothing else comes in? And and that never really leaves you. And I've tried to be. I mean, the, the subheading of the book um, is stuff that I've learned and yeah. stuff that I'm still learning. And, and, and that is absolutely key for me, that it's about 
how I'm still discovering things about myself and about the industry and about the process of working on something as much as the next person is. And I'm still struggling with all the things that I struggled with at the beginning of my career, like jealousy, imposter syndrome, insecurity, all those things still rattle me in the same way as they ever did. And, and, And I hope that that'll be of comfort and support to people who are feeling those things, who think that you know, once you get into your 50s and you've had a career that spans 30-odd years, that you've got it all sorted because you don't, you know. And actually, I'm not saying that in a in a way of like, oh, it never gets any better, but in a way of like, it, it's a work in progress all the time. And I'm very keen to say in the book, you know, I've got a whole chapter. It's an, an A to Z, as you know, an alphabet. And G is about growing, in brackets, older, just about not becoming a dinosaur, about still being willing to learn stuff, all the way along and how I've learned stuff, not just from people older than myself, but people from younger than myself all the time. And now that's the secret really to keeping alive and buoyant and active in this industry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. How did you come up with the idea in the first place? Well, I'd written a book before called uh, A Working Diary, which had been commissioned by Matthew in Drama. And that was uh, exactly what it says on the tin. It was a working diary of uh, me from the end of 2016 uh, to the end of 2017. And it was about work. It was about the stuff that I was doing with my little theatre company in Manchester that do scripting and performances about social and political events. It was about work that I was getting. I was publicising Broadchurch at the time. Mm. So it was about just the day-to-day working life of an actor. And I really enjoyed writing it. And I got loads out of doing it. And when it came out... People seem to respond a lot and very positively to the more advice-based stuff that I put in there about keeping mentally well, for example, or um, about how to deal with traumatic material, you know, which I've done a lot of, you know, in my career (laughs) and how to keep yourself well through that. So I thought it might be really handy to to write a book that was much more advice-based and and make it very affordable, you know, make it sort of play script size and and affordable. And so I pitched it to Nick Hearn Books and they said yes, much to my amazement. And the whole process has been really, really quickly. So, I mean, I, I had the idea this time last year I wrote it over the months that followed, and now it's out and going to second print. I'm thrilled to say, oh, that you know. Is so incredible. I know, I'm really chuffed about that because I've had to change a couple of things. I went on Graham Norton's show, and he told me that in my chapter about drama schools, that I say that Judy Dench didn't go to drama school, and he said yes, she did. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, thanks for exposing me live on oh, air for my like very patchy Google kind of like research. So, so yeah, so yeah. in the second prints, I've taken Judy Dench's name out of that, and uh, and also I said that. I'm sure she'll forgive you, though. I I, I hope so. Um, And I also say in it that I've never, ever got a job from a self-tape and then... After it went to print, I got a job from a self tape, so I've had to like I've had to amend that as well. So oh, I love it, I love it. Because um, one thing I like about the book is that you you don't just deal with the uh, the possibility of success, but dealing with failure and how you sort of get over that. And I thought that was a very sort of a positive spin on you know just keeping moving and uh, and multitasking as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of my favourite chapters actually, which is F is for fame, failure, and filling the well. Filling the well. Yeah. So, so obviously, you know, when I'm talking about fame, 
that's that's quite difficult because obviously you know I'm not as I keep saying I'm not Taylor Swift. It's like I don't have to deal with those dizzying heights of it. You know I can walk down the street pretty well unnoticed. But but you know even at my sort of um, lowly level, just what it is to suddenly become a well-known person yeah. as I did at the age of 27 when I joined Coronation Street, which at that time of course had a massive viewership. I'm mm. still dulls, but then in particular oh, and yeah. uh, and just about what that is and how nobody really prepares you for that and how it's seen as the kind of I don't know the sort of the, the prize at the end of all your hard work mm. and and how actually that's uh, another thing to navigate around and negotiate in your life if it happens to you and you know you see a lot when people become suddenly very very famous mm. you know how very quickly jaded they become and, and how difficult it is and so it's always a bit hard to talk about because you know it's a little bit like boohoo poor you you know but it's <laughs> but but I just think I just try to touch on that in a way to, to maybe prepare people for, for what that feels like because the good things and the bad things. Do you feel the drama school actually uh, I mean do they do any classes about this sort of thing or do, do you think quite no. a lot of your stuff is quite innovative and, and they should sort of feed that into, into the schools. Well, I suppose it, it happens to so relatively few people that you'd mm. get to the, the point of being recognised in the street. And like I say, you know, at my level, it's 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 not that intrusive. It really, really isn't. But but I wanted to touch on it and, and really to say that it isn't at the opposite end of failure. You know, if mm. there is a spectrum, those two things don't sit at either end of them. You know, that within... Every day for me, there are moments of being um, famous in terms of being recognised mm. for good or for bad, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, uh, and what that gives me, you know, it gives me a voice, but I, I also can sometimes be a bit more problematic, but that failure is like part of my day-to-day life as well and how to cope with that and the feeling the well bit is... Um, is a bit from the artist's way, which is this kind of hawky American mm. self-help book that I'm always banging on about. And people must just think, who is this person? But it is absolutely life-changing. It's changed my life several times. And it's a sort of 12-step uh, plan to unblocking yourself as a creative. And, and that idea comes from that book. And it's basically that in your quiet times, in periods when you're not doing very much, to keep yourself creative in whatever way you can, you know, going to see some arts, listening to a great album, just going out for a walk without your phone, keeping active, keeping creatively connected with other people and how that feeds you in yeah, some way and, and changes things for you. You know, So it's a, it is a bit of a sort of creative tool, if you like, yeah. and, and, and that is very much part of my creative cool. Uh, toolkit is the the fill in the well stuff. So I hope it'll be helpful to somebody. That's what you hope, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I would say though that failure. I would no, I wouldn't call it failure. I would say it was. It, you, it's another step on your journey, and you learn from those experiences and become wiser, stronger, whatever. And I mean, because I've been trying to write in the past for scripts and things like that. I mean, I had a go for a while, and I always used to say, oh, "I'm a failed writer." Joke, joke. And and um, somebody picked me up on it and said, "No, you're an aspiring writer." And you just you're still going forward. I thought that was a very nice that's way of so looking. It's the only way to look at it. Surely. It really, really is. That's so ace in it. That's mm. so, that's so good. I've, I've logged that. That's really that that's was from really Louise good. Jameson. Bless her. Well, that, and it is really great because it is because language matters. Yep. And and our self talk. You know the things that we say to ourselves really matter in mm. terms of the way that we. Um, 
view ourselves and see our place in the world. And yeah, aspiring is absolutely it, or emerging as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff that uh, that I've written in the book is for for people who are emerging into the industry, whatever that means. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean you're a young person. It can mean at any age, and and uh, and trying to keep yourself buoyant within that. So mm. yeah, oh my god, I would <laughs> absolutely would not class you as a failure in any way, shape, or form. Oh, there, bless you. you're it's... so lovely. Would you recommend people going to drama school if they can afford to? Uh, or you know, are there so many different potential routes these days to to get there? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, there's a chapter on drama schools in mm. the book because I, for me, yes, what it gives you is a massive advantage in terms of um, confidence, skills. Um, it also gives you um, that launch pad at the end of your training mm. where casting directors and agents and industry people are invited to come to you. You are a member of equity um, automatically. You know, you there's a lot of there's a lot of massive advantages, mm. which is why so many people want to do it. Um, you and don't... also friends you make for life and for that whole bonding experience. That is hugely, yeah. hugely important. I, I'm um, mentor, um, a Lambda graduate, and she lives in a house full of uh, uh, friends who she met at drama school and, and they keep each other going, you know, they, they pick a play every week and read it together, you know, they make that house like a little creative hub for themselves even when they're not working and mm. those things are priceless as well. So yeah, I, w- I would always say, it. and in terms of if you were trying to decide between going to university or drama school, I mean, it's just a matter of, like, drama school, you are working like 12 hours a day, you're getting so much more for your money and you are, and it's very, very practically based. Mm. So, you know, it, it's, um, it's definitely something to consider, you know, but but it's not for everyone. Mm. And as I say in the book, Saran Jones didn't go to drama yes, school. Absolutely. Jodie Comer didn't. A lot yeah. of people who started off as mm. as child actors um, end up not going to drama school because they just continue on that journey. And, mm. and, and I think that there's no right or wrong. You need to know what's right for you. And if it means that you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life, yeah. if you think you're going to be really struggling to find that money to do it, I don't want people to feel like if they can't get into drama school or they can't afford to go to drama school, that that immediately precludes them from being an actor. It doesn't. But if there is any way of you doing it, then do. And there are loads and loads of organisations now that are helping people bridge that gap, you know, in terms of access. Um, You know, people are sitting up and taking notice of that now for the first time because of years and years of people campaigning for it. When I went to drama school, I got a full local authority grants not just to pay my fees but also pay my rent as well you know and those mm. days are long gone you know we my generation unfortunately just uh you know picked the ladder up after we'd got there yeah. and and uh and it's a, a source of, of huge sadness to me that yeah, those things absolutely. don't exist for people but but there are people who are doing everything are dedicating their lives to mm. making the arts accessible to people from working class backgrounds and uh, so you know it, it's a matter of just trying to find the help and support out there if you're passionate about it. I mean it. the thing is you really have to be good even at an enthusiastic entry level to make it I'm presuming and that's going to sort of filter people out to a certain extent and presumably the more commitment you put in the more you get out in the long run and hopefully the more deserving you are to get accepted at a drama school and beyond. Is it one of the toughest first hurdles do you think? 
It is very, very hard to get into drama school. Everybody knows that. And you have to be really good in the first place. But you also have to have potential. You know, they're not looking for people who are finished products when they come oh, in the yeah, doors. Yeah, they want people who, who can learn and grow. And, you know, and if you see people auditioning for drama school and see, you know, what they're like at the end of the three years, mm. it, it's extraordinary to see the difference of the, the a good training, a good training, and that's crucial, makes. But... I, I think that as well as being about talent, so much of it is, yes, look, that everyone talks about, but also about drive and passion and ambition. And this is, and privilege comes into this a little bit as well, Nick, because anyone yeah. who's been privately educated automatically has an advantage in being front footed, confident, um, having higher self esteem and communication skills. You know, those things come from having an expensive education. And you have to work a lot harder if you're state educated and those things haven't been part of your education, you know. So, but I think that if you can be asked, <laughs> <laughs> it makes a massive difference. Yeah. You say to people, you know, please, you know, get in touch with me. I am here. I am infinitely contactable on all social media platforms. Sometimes even here's my email address. And you can guarantee that in a group of 50 people, only two maximum will get in touch mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. and use those opportunities. And and. You know, I, I mean, Manchester, it's like a little sort of microcosm, so you can see it really clearly. The people who are out there seeing stuff, coming on nights when tickets are cheap, but hanging around at the bar afterwards, talking to people, contacting people, making connections, mm -hmm. finding out what uh, help's available for them, you know, being asked, yeah. being asked. You can, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, the, the, the glory of, of in a world of CBA can't be asked and the people who can will will get further. Yeah. Absolutely no, no bones about it. I think that was my point. It was it was more about to want to succeed in this industry, you've really got to go for it. <laughs> you really, really do, you know, and you have to and you have to put in extra. You yeah, have to do absolutely. more and and it, it will pay off. Not I, immediately, but it will. I remember Louise again, Louise Jameson was she went to Rada and she she was saying that uh, if you were late three times, you were out. So yeah. literally, I mean, that really sharpened you up for learning a lines, turning up on time, that sort of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you can see it. And that's another thing that drama school teaches yeah. you is, is discipline. discipline. Yeah. yeah, because when you're working with people who aren't trained, you know, you realise that that stuff isn't. It doesn't come naturally to a yeah, lot of people, absolutely. especially creative people, and mm. and that and it's really really important because mm. you're working as a team and you've got to you've 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 got to be there, ready, yeah. prepared, and know your stuff. And and again, it, it's it's rarer than you think. So so you know if you have a huge group of people who all say they want to be actors, you know, then you take out the people who aren't very good at it. Then you take the people who you know aren't um, able to do it for whatever. Then you take out the people who actually aren't that driven or passionate about mm. it despite all the protestations <laughs> you know that that pool is getting smaller and smaller yeah. so at least be one of the people who is bothered absolutely <laughs> um, you talk about the importance of class as a uh, visibility in the acting world and it's interesting that most of your work to date you've stuck to your own accents as far as i'm aware anyway is that by and large a deliberate and sort of positively uh, driven choice 
Um, no, it's not. And I, I haven't, actually. I have done different um, accents. You've done American, I know, for a play, didn't you? I did yeah. American for a play, and yeah. I, I did Broadchurch, of course, as well. Um, oh, what were you, what yeah, was the accent of Broadchurch? Dorset. Oh, oh Dorset. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how good it was. is oh, a, sure is, it was point. God, oh, please don't write in. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, doing different accents is part of what you train to do, yeah. you know, and, and some people have an ear for them more than others. But um, what you'll find is that most people want you to be who you are, mm. you know, and my accent is very much part of who I am. This yeah. is my neutral. So if I turned up on a set and said, oh, I think I might do this uh, as a Dubliner, people <laughs> would be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> they would absolutely, you know, people want it. And, and actually within that, there's a lot of uh, class assumption. So um, I say, I write about this in the book as well, that accent is so linked with class in this country. Mm-hmm. So my accent, I've found, has uh, lent itself to a sort of higher working class, lower middle class uh, professional. So nurses, teachers so on that that my accent is okay for that very rarely do i get cast as doctors or diplomats or lawyers so that's the next stage really in in the whole evolution of acting and i think it is and and i I think you know and and, and that's my accent you know it's like with other accents you know if like like i say in the book you know if you're a scouser you haven't got a chance you know (laughs) you'll always be a sex worker or a drug addict you know unless somebody starts to be a bit more imaginative and realize that people from all different backgrounds do all different kinds of jobs and that in a, an area there are people of all different classes who speak the same mm. accents you know it's, it's kind of we're, we're so fashioned with that it's still we've still a long way to go with but of that. course it all comes from the writing uh, you know like your good husband well it's down to the writing and the casting actually uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. it's uh there's a lot and, and strides are being made again because of years and years of, of grassroots work and, and campaigning mm, mm. just as i mean as a, a roundup really i just think all your actors are amazing i mean i find you cast such a spell over people it's like some it's like some weird alchemy when you just become different people and i, I find it I just, it's just weird, but you know, I just believe you. In either sense, it's a barefaced lie, but in another ways, you're you're telling a profound truth as well. I just, it's like you know, sending flowers to Haley's funeral, and people say, "Well, no, you know," and I'm saying, "Julie, who?" <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I feel, I, I find it the same. You know, good acting is just like it is. It's miraculous, isn't it? When I watch mm. things, and I'm just like, and actually, people are very quick to. Um, judge people's acting because it's it's quite a subjective thing mm. you know it's it's like you know you, you, you're either a good violinist or, or or not I mean I'm sure there's nuance within that but but with acting it's kind of like oh I don't really like what they do or I do like what they do but my god when you see someone who can't do it you really <laughs> feel the difference you know it's like you're like oh oh yeah no it's not that easy is it because <laughs> when you see someone who can't do it you're like oh <laughs> I mean I've done a bit of am trauma you wouldn't want to see that Probably, uh, I would love to bit, see bit that. Bit of Amtraum, darling. Um, well, I think it's... I I mean, I'm a massive, massive fan and supporter of of, uh, of amateur stuff because yeah. anyone who does things for the pure joy of it, yep. I'm like, oh, let's celebrate that more. Just as a final thing, we had Sophie Aldred on recently from Doctor Who and she was saying yes. she was looking forward to getting older so she could get stuck into those older, dodgery character parts and really sort of, you know, let it rip. Uh, are you are you hoping for an evolution in, in different type of parts that you get offered? 
Well, yeah, I mean, again, there's a huge campaign at the moment about representation of older women in particular on screen because uh, we've got a long way to go with that. Mm. You know, it seems to me that generally speaking, apart from like some honourable exceptions like Anne Reid in everything she does, <laughs> it's like you, it's either a very sort of elegant sort of uh, Hampstead dwelling idea of ageing or it's a working class um, care home with dementia. Mm, um, dribbling. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and I've had enough of it. I know yeah. loads of amazing women. And actually, that's where the soaps get it absolutely right. Yep. And that was a real like moment of questioning for me about whether or not to leave Coronation Street because the writing in soaps for older people is second to none yeah. and and you know you can grow old with great storylines in there but we've got a long way to go in the wider industry I, I focus on the older characters in in the soaps anyway they're the ones I'm, I'm more drawn to than yeah, the, yeah. the explosions and car crashes yeah, and stuff yeah. like that yeah absolutely yeah. but I'm a bit old school but <laughs> listen Julie thank you so much um, it's a fantastic book An Actor's Alphabet it is out and available uh, now thank you thank you Nick <laughs> thanks so much And our thanks go to Julie Hesmanhausch, Nick Hearn Books and BBC Salford. I'm Nick Randall. Goodbye. Scratch and sniff. Scratch and sniff? Scratch and sniff! I didn't know I was agreeing to that. <laughs> I thought those days were over. Well, I really enjoy working in small theatres. I don't like the huge, spectacular shows, you know. I quite like to see the audience. The whites of their eyes. Uh, yeah, not quite, not quite. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not Emily Dickinson. What a miserable life led she. She didn't have Cadbury's dairy milk and nobody came for tea. My father said... Dentistry would be a very useful uh, career for you. You can use it any country in the world, and as a Jew, you might be thrown out any time. Still, it remains in me, that, that possibility. I think all good actors are trying to shine a light on what it means to be human, mm. you know, and to look at human behaviour and, and to look at contradiction. And this is what and David Bowie saw. This. Is this true? David Bowie saw this and then uh, wanted you to make a documentary about him. Yes, he asked me if I'd like to meet up, and would I, he liked what he saw. And I mean, thought, what a compliment! Yeah, it, it kind of was. Maybe Fantastic. it was a rash judgment to make. <laughs> and this woman came up to me. She said, "Now tell me, have you made any movies?" And I said, well, no, I haven't been to Betty Ford yet. Well, if I could have gone through that floor, <laughs> and somebody came pounding across the beach at me. I thought, oh, no, not here, not now. Leave me running towards me, running towards me. And I... And they ran straight past me. (laughs) (laughs) By hook or by crook, I ended up meeting them in their hotel. The words breaking in are so vulgar. For a 16-year-old Beatlemaniac (laughs) to spend eight days with John and Yoko, I still don't believe it. And then I was with Douglas Mm. uh, Adams. I will always remember Douglas's immortal words. She can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. What's the good of her? (laughs) And for some reason I was insulted. And then the door opened and I went, Blimey, you're Shelley Winters. And she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm Derry Foles. And she put her tongue right down my throat. (laughs) I never saw her again the rest of the evening. Are you enjoying now far more than you were enjoying the height of your success? No. 
because at the height of my success, I was on private jets and limousines and I wouldn't be stuck in a pub with the likes of you. <laughs> well, that's charming, that is. And Britt Eklund turned and gave me a smile such as you have never seen. And I got this wonderful, utter, total attention until she realised I was absolutely no use to her whatsoever and it was all turned off as though the light was oh, turned no. Make me laugh. And also by the Scotsman, uh, apparently you are tender, frightened and convincing. I mean, it's working for me. <laughs> I've made Sandy Walsh blush, but in a, in a good way. It was for me, being in the supermarket in Accrington and my elderly lady's coming up to me and saying, when are you and Marie getting married? And me saying, well, we're not allowed to because Hayley's transgender and, and them going, never mind that, they should be together. And that's the way to change the world. I'd say about yeah. this film is it's perfect to take someone on a date to, because... Because you don't have to talk to them. Yeah. Did you stuff. do the old yawn, arms around the back, <laughs> creeping down the front? It was very I'm, tempting. I'm doing a bit. <laughs> Sliding the bra out of her top, yeah. <laughs> it's an art to that. I interviewed on the same day Idi Amin and Harold Pinto. Difficult for me to say who was most difficult and intimidating of the two of them. I mean, were you in the same room as these uh, I was in the same room as Harold Pinter. I oh. wasn't necessarily... But I, I collected them. That's probably the best choice together out of the two. A, yeah, Harold always was, but we became good friends over the years, yeah. and I didn't continue my relationship with Idi Amin, I can tell you that. <laughs> and I had a terrible problem because my Hamlet kept treading on my very pointy-toe shoes, you see, so I had to keep trying to leave the stage. But, of course, I couldn't because he was on the foot. And it was written as this sort of very camp... Thing. I actually knew a couple of people that auditioned for it and they said, oh, it's this very sort of camp actory type. Mm. I thought, well, I could do that. But it said, Len is tall. And uh, Mark Gator sent me an email and said, will you give me a ring? And I thought, he's not doing that to tell me I've got it. Uh, he's just being nice because he is the nicest man in the world. And he said, look, we've, we loved what you did, but... And I said, you've gone for somebody tall, haven't you? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I could never get an agent for years because of my disability, so I had to bring my own, which was good for me, actually, because it taught me a lot of discipline. And so I'm negotiating the right fee, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not as good on that one. More about getting the role. Now, what makes this film interesting is that it's actually really the story about two men, because J. Edgar Hoover, for Sorry, all of the... <laughs> <laughs> Look, Nick, there's not much man-on-man -man action in this uh, movie. But yeah, what it is, go, go is on. a sort of story Just about... Just get very intense here, right? Go on, go on. It's a story about... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done this readers for a couple of months. Uh, so, anyway, go on. OK. Yes, it's better be good. <laughs> so, basically... J. Edgar Hoover, famously, was he gay? And I just think, actually, that if you don't have older actors and older actresses, you're not really getting a view of a balanced society. How much can you tell us about Mary Poppins and uh, can you succumb to tickling or bribery? Um, neither, because otherwise <laughs> I'll just get a huge smack bottom from Disney. Um, uh, uh, I can only tell you that it's going to be great. <laughs> and there are amazing people in it. And if you, if you know. know who's in Meryl it, Street, Meryl Streep and uh, Emily and Colin Firth. Mm. And, Meryl Streep's a bit overrated, I think. <laughs> oh, apparently. Sad! Exclamation mark. And then there was a guy who was supposed to shout something from the wings and he didn't come on. And I, very oh. quick thinking, because I've got a very deep voice, I rushed off to do this old character who actually was still in the toilet. Okay. And I went off and I went, and the line was, Give me some light. And then I ran back on as a feeler. <laughs> 
I've made up for it. I, yeah. I've spent many, many years since making amazing commercials, teaching people how to make sure that they don't get infected with STIs. Oh, right. That's so lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm the voice of chlamydia. So the review came in the next day. The first Ophelia to start out mad and go slowly say. My simple mantra is never accept the world as it is. Dream of what the world could be and then help make it happen. No, I love it. Carol Decker on Scratch and Sniff with a goodie bag. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it tremendously. And uh, thank you for, for picking up on so many things that I'd, I'd actually forgotten about. Did Katie get all this? Oh, yes, she got all this, yeah. No, wonderful. Tell you, Nick, it's been a total pleasure. I should get highly drunk. Thank you very much. What an enjoyable interview.